Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for another episode of Adventures in Careerland. Hi, everybody. I'm Adriano Magnifico. I'm the career consultant for the Louis Riel School Division in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. And we broadcast out of the Arts and Technology Center Broadcast Media Program, which is one of 13 programs in this center. 13 programs. So they're doing broadcast media, but there's all kinds of other very cool practical arts and technical training programs that students both in high school and out of high school choose to increase their ability to be employed and to build their skill sets to make them very valuable employees down the road. So you can do plumbing here, you can do childcare here, you can do auto mechanics here, you can do new media design here. So I'm very fortunate and pleased and privileged to work with two students from the broadcast media program. They are Zoe Kruk and Akira Sasaki. Zoe, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, but my last name is pronounced Kruzik. Kruzik. You know, it's Kru, Kruzik. I, I, I shorten the name now because we're getting to know each other, okay? Okay. A, yeah, okay. I'll fix that next time, Kruzik. Anyway, Zoe, how's COVID treating you today? Uh, okay, okay. Okay, okay. Are you still holed up in uh, St. Anne? Yep. I have St. not been going anywhere. St. Anne, Manitoba. And, of course, we have the very restricted... Uh, lockdown protocols here. I think we are. I think we have more COVID cases than anywhere in North America right now. So yeah, we, we actually ha- made it on national news the other day. Oh, we did. Oh, that well, we should congratulate ourselves. What a great honor. Not anyway. And we have Akira Sakaki. Yeah. I got that name right. Akira's in grade twelve, so we have the the great combination of two two uh, educational levels here. How you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, you were right. You did get my name right, or my last name right, the second, or the first, you know, second time. The first time you didn't, but that's okay. I'm that's doing pretty right. well, though. Yeah, these guys abuse me a lot because sometimes I don't pay attention to last names. I don't pay attention to names most of the time. I just know they're great people. Zoe and Akira, great producers. They're great students, and it's my privilege to work with them because they're so skilled and that's part of the charm of this program and just tell us quickly why you choose a problem program like this zoe well i've always been into like theater and just like being with people and i recently have been like really interested in like filming or like becoming an actor or like something in like the film industry whether it's like working a camera so when i was looking at the programs at atc this one looked like very interesting because it includes like all those editing softwares you get on air experience you're learning how to work with cameras it's just leading me where i want to go good akira what do you think why are you in this program i took this program because uh what i actually want to do as a career is graphic design and i like the broadcast Mm. media i can kind of i can like bring those two together and create a career out of both of them i also like like zoe said that we're learning a lot about this like editing softwares so i know about the adobe suite softwares that come to graphic stuff but i didn't really know about the editing softwares so i like that about the program well i'll tell you i can vouch for both of you because you're both very skilled and uh i i can see when i give you work to do you do it quickly attention to detail so make sure you put me on your resume when you start applying for work because Mm -hmm. uh, i'll vouch for you in a heartbeat you're both uh great great students and uh your skill sets are beginning to really blossom but you're here today 
because we have a special guest. Our special guest is a former student of mine from 2010 when I taught at the PAC, Windsor PAC Collegiate. I love that place. She was in our 2010 graduating class of the Career Internship Program. We started that program there. And she's one of those students who took a chance on taking a program like that because kids do that. They take a chance. So a big, great big welcome to Carlene Kurziel, who is in Montreal right hey, now. Hey. Yes, currently you? sitting in Montreal, getting vaccinated tomorrow. For the first time? Feeling for the first time, yeah. Oh, which one are you getting? Do you I think know? it's Pfizer. I believe it's Pfizer. Pfizer. I like that. That's the messenger RNA technology, mm-hmm. right? The gene technology. Mm-hmm. I like that one. I, I had mine uh, about a month ago. And I, I, it's completely altered me. I am a whole different person. I, I it, it's altered yeah, that my hair is de- coming back. Yeah, you don't uh, need my, the tonic anymore. Yeah. My hair is growing back. No more tonic <laughs> for my head because of the RNA messenger RNA. <laughs> yeah, but it's I, but it's a public good. Are you happy to be getting it? Or have you been waiting? Or yeah, I've been desperately waiting. I really I miss Winnipeg. I miss my family a bit. So it'll be nice to be fully vaccinated and get back there, see everyone. You were in my class way back when. This is so cool. So how do you get, tell us a bit about when you were in high school. Go back to that high school time, mm-hmm. back in grade 11 and 12. What was it like to be a kid there? What was going through your head as you were thinking about what should I do after high school? I think, I think at the time I had a very straightforward view of what you know a career would be. I was very, very set on being a nurse. Uh, at the time. And, and I think in the career internship program, I remember Mr. Magnifico talking about how, you know, the, the average person our age or maybe a few years older would go through 13 jobs in their lifetime. I think that was the statistic. That, you know what? That was yeah, That was from the Chamber of Commerce. That was okay. way back when, right? They threw those stats out there. I think they threw yeah. them out there to, to uh, they gave them out to me. And I thought, what an opportunity to scare students. So I thought, what a great thing <laughs> yeah. I'm going to throw at you guys. This is great. I think what I what I loved about the career internship program was it taught me that, you know, careers were really dynamic and shifting and it wasn't, you know, mastering one skill set and then you were set for the rest of your life. It was really more about, you know, developing different skills. And I think more importantly, following your interests and making sure that as you follow your interests, you're you're continuing to learn and develop yourself. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a good time. Yeah, it was. It was. And, and and you were a great class and you were a great student of mine. One of my favorite students of all time. Don't tell no, anybody. Okay. I'll take that compliment. But take me back to that nursing. Why did you choose nursing? Why did you think nursing? Because that's one of the traditional ones, right? I don't mean that with any yeah. disrespect because no. they are they are holding together the fabric of our culture right now, 100%. the nurses and, and the medical profession. But why, why were you choosing that one at that time? I think at the time... Um... You know, I grew up in a household and, and I love my parents deeply, um, but it but it was very much you wanted to find a stable career. Stability was the the be all end all of what you were supposed to be doing. Um, and I, I mean, I like people. I thought healthcare was amazing. We had gone I had gone through some health stuff when I was younger and was always amazed by you know nurses and how gentle and beautiful and wonderful they were. And I, and I think I thought that nursing was a really interesting fusion of personal skills and and science and getting to implement that every day um but most importantly you know it was it was a stable stable career obviously for many reasons yeah so that was 
now parents, we have a lot of ki- uh, uh, people on this podcast and they talk, I always ask about the parent influence and the parents are into that, right? They're of a different generation, mm-hmm. right? They're mm-hmm. baby boomers. Are your parents baby boomers? They are. Probably, right? They are. So they they get that. You got to get something stable. Can you get a pension? Can you get health care? Can you get all those kinds of things? And they're into that because that's what they had. Mm -hmm. And, and, and it, it, it worked out well for them. Exactly. So as, as you meandered through this a bit, what did you discover? (laughs) I discovered lots of things. I think I discovered, well, I think the first really eye-opening thing that made me really want to go into nursing was in the career internship program, um, Mr. Magnifico, and I forget her name at the time, your, your um, assistant and co-teacher, I don't remember her name, but um, there was a opportunity set up for me to go see open-heart surgery, um, and that was still to this day one of the coolest things I've ever got to experience, and I feel incredibly lucky that that was um, something I got to do and it really solidified, you know, just how dynamic that field is, you know, within nursing, you know, you become a nurse, but you could specialize in surgery. You could specialize in, um, being in the maternity ward in an emergency room. There's, there's all of these different ways where you get to use your skill set in, in, in a myriad of ways. And I, and I, I was just floored by that opportunity and how incredible the human body is. I, I remember that now. And, you didn't faint or anything when you looked at that open heart surgery. It just it got you excited. Did you lean over? Did you kind of pull yourself back? Yeah, going, eh, no. Eh. They, so we were in there for about nine hours. We, I mean, we were in there. <laughs> I was standing there, but it well, was, were, you, were, were you handing them things? It wasn't like the no. Seifeld episode where you're eating some Juji fruits or Junior no. Mints or something. Were you? No, I wasn't Phoebe Buffay dressed up as a nurse. I was sort of standing there <laughs> on a stool. Um, oddly enough, you were actually down there. You weren't in a viewing area. No, I was in the room. Right. Oh my gosh. So you sat for nine hours in there? Stood on a stool. And I was the the gentleman's head. And I had spoken with him before this. He was very obviously okay with me being there. He knew it was a learning opportunity. Um, that I wasn't gonna be a doctor. I wasn't, you know, it was just for obs- purely observation. And I stood over over his head and kind of looked into, you know, the well, well that would have been a great time to give up smoking, right? Like uh, that was awful. Oh, when you, lit, when you lit up that cigarette, eh? that's awful. <laughs> I left right? and I remember telling my dad, I'm like, <laughs> we we can't eat, you know, trans fats anymore. We're starting to go for runs as a family. And I mean, did any of that work out? No, but but at the time it was very go, I could see your dad watching a hockey game. <laughs> dad, we gotta get out and get out jogging. Yeah, yeah, maybe tomorrow. Click, click. Yeah. He's like, well, we'll, we'll see about that. Let's just drive home first. I love that. I love that. Hey, Zoe, what'd you think? Could you could you sit through an open heart surgery? I mean, watch an open heart surgery, a live one. Because she wanted to become a member of the ER group. Zoe, I'm, what do you think? I don't know if I could be able to watch one in real life, but I've I watched Grey's Anatomy and that seems to be <laughs> fine. So <laughs> So you want to be a member, Carly? You want to be a member of a Grey's Anatomy kind of thing, right? With all yeah, the... maybe, maybe I was just um, subconsciously craving the drama of it all. <laughs> of course, and that's the best part about it all. It's the family. It really does become a family in there, right? Too, like like oh, yeah. uh, in the healthcare. That's why I love things like people say, "Why do you love Star Trek, Magnifico?" It's not even about. It's never about the. Um, um, do you remember I had that giant Star Trek poster in my yeah. room? The yeah, the giant one. It was yeah. huge. Anyway, uh, it, it, it was never about the sci-fi. It was about the group. 
that mm-hmm. loved each other and would do anything for each other. That's what I loved about Star Trek. And I love Captain Kirk. You always know I love Captain Kirk. Anyway, hey, Akira, could you sit through an open heart surgery, watch it for nine hours? 100% I could, yes. Really? Why? Yeah, um, like throughout my life, I've gone through some medical things that have uh, mm-hmm. built up my tolerance to those type of things. And in general, I'm kind of, this is going to sound a little masochist, but when they give me like, when they pull blood, or they take blood, or they do needles. I'm one of those people who like to stare at it. Like they're like, you can look away. I'm just like, no, I want to look at it. I want to see when it goes in because it, it. I don't know. It just brings me comfort knowing it's already yeah. in my arm. Oh, I, yeah. I hate that stuff. So yeah, you like, suck on your finger after they punch it, and then, like when you when you come out of your coffin at night, do you do you worry about who am I going to take on today? Like, do you worry about those things? Uh, not to that degree, <laughs> but I just got vaccinated like last week. And they were, they were like, going to put it in my arm. And I just, like, stared at them. I was like, do it. Do it. <laughs> and then oh they gosh, just, like. I, you yeah. don't need to count down. Yeah, they're like, I was just oh. like, do it. Get it over with now. And I, they are, put it in. And I was are, like, okay. Oh, we are polar opposites, man. I can't stand those needles. In fact, I, she says, are you okay? When I had my, vac- my vaccination, she went, are you okay? No, no, I'm just a little nervous. Just, uh, just let me know when you, you do it. I've already done it. <gasps> oh, and so when I find a nurse or a doctor who can put that needle in me and I don't know what happened. I, they are gold to me, gold. I might stalk them to be my needle giver for life. Those are, those are, uh, those are powerful things to me. <laughs> so you didn't become the nurse. What no. path did you go? So what did you do? Well, and why, why Mr. didn't you Megan become Pico? nurse? Like, why didn't you go nurse? Like, did you go start it? Yeah. So yes. I, I entered the university of Manitoba um, and by by December, we had finished a bunch of science courses. Um, some personal stuff had happened, like family-wise and health-wise, that um, wasn't the best semester. wasn't a great start to the university experience. Um, so the second semester happened, but at, by that point, I was kind of like, this isn't the time. You know, I was still very set on becoming a nurse, but I'm like, I need to take a break from, you know, education in this way. Um, so I moved to Germany. I nannied. Um, and that, that. yeah, that everything sort of shifted there. I, I loved working in childcare. I really loved it. Um, and so after that, I worked in childcare for a bit. I nannied a bit more in Winnipeg. I was thinking about school, but then it became more of a, you know, okay, is this the time? Is this the time? And then questioning if this is what I wanted to do. Um, so to test out that theory of if I wanted to work in healthcare, I became a healthcare aide. And I enjoyed that for a year or two. But I, I worked in geriatrics. I worked in a personal care home. And obviously, as it was really brought to light during the, the COVID-19 pandemic, um, long-term care homes and personal care homes are, you know, severely understaffed. The yes, staff are yes. incredibly overworked not compensated well for their work and for, you know, everything they're doing day in and day out. And I have immense respect for individuals in the healthcare field and especially, especially these frontline workers who, you know, it's, it's not that it's a thankless job, but it really is difficult when you're working in a long-term care home and working with a myriad of not only diseases, but, you know, mental health issues and learning how to navigate that was incredibly interesting. Um, so after a few years, I became pretty emotionally burnt out. And so, can you see these guys under the stress? You feel their stress right now? 
Uh, I cannot imagine. Um, <laughs> I, I like these are long shifts. Yeah, yeah, I know some people in this. They're like, long shifts, and they're going day after day after day because there's a shortage of them. Exactly, and working and working double shifts, and um, no, I, I really can't imagine. And I'm incredibly hopeful that you know maybe at a federal or provincial level, there's going to be some mandates that do change policies, um, do encourage more healthy work environments and healthier homes. You know, I think I think part of the problem is that. You know, it's it's people in these homes too, right? And when you are understaffed, you can't serve people and provide for their needs in an adequate way yeah. to yeah. to keep yeah. people healthier going. And it's um it's 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 unfortunate, but I am hopeful that upon reflection after a you know global pandemic, that there will be some huge shifts in that in that industry. After that, I went into childcare again. I was a childcare assistant. Um, because I guess at ATC they they prep people to become early childhood yeah. educators, correct? Yeah. So yes, yes. I was I was assisting the early childhood educators. I worked in uh, what was called the, the the sun room, which was the two and three year olds, and it was amazing. So I hung out with two and three year olds for I think it was three or four years total. It was a great time. I cool. loved it. Oh wow! Yeah. So so what? What pulled you away from that? Um, I think it was a a, a finance thing. Yes, you know, sure. child child yeah. care assistants don't necessarily make a ton of money, especially as I got a bit older. It sort of I had to make that shift. Um, and I really missed writing. So I, in 2015, I was still working as a child care assistant, but I took on sort of a internship opportunity with a website called Elephant Journal, which was like a mindfulness publication. I think they're still going, but they were looking for people to write um, and also volunteer editors for some of their articles. And so I started doing that on the side because I, I missed it and I didn't know how to transition back into writing, especially yes. without a university degree. I think that was something that really held me back for a long time was thinking that um, my my formal education was the be all end all of what I could do. Of course, as you know, as students, you probably realize that it's not necessarily a degree that's going to get you places. It's it's all of these little skill sets and experiences that you have yes. and, and connections that you make um, that allow you to move into into different fields. And sometimes, of course, that's prohibited by not having a degree or a certificate or what have you. But, but for lots of fields, it is, it is about getting that experience and the type of, you know, software that, you know, or experience that you've had or volunteer experiences that you've had. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. And then, so after that, I had a friend of mine who started as a, as, out as a freelance writer and opened a digital marketing agency um, agency in Winnipeg and offered me, a little side gig of writing some content for some of her clients each month. And from there, and, I, and how did you like that? How did you like doing it? I loved that? it. I, I yeah. loved it. It was a bit what of kinds a of things. Effort. What, what kinds of things did you write about? Well, when I first started, my specialty was plumbing and HVAC. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> which was, I'll be honest. At first it was a bit soul crushing, but <laughs> no, it, but you're a writer. You, yeah. If, if you can turn that into gold, yeah. that's what you do. You're the yeah. wordsmith. Yeah. And it was, 
it was very interesting because very quickly I had to learn the world of you know, search engine optimization and keyword placement within your writing and, you know, the target audience that you're writing for and all of these things that as a creative writer, I had paid no attention to um, before this. Um, but it, it really forced me to to learn about the online digital marketing industry very quickly. Um, and I find it very interesting. It, it's to this day, I still... I don't necessarily write so much of the blog posts or the longer form articles that you click on. Like, you know, you Google how to fix my pipes under my, <laughs> whatever it may be. I don't know. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's uh, right. Some, something along those lines. So Did I you work with products too. Did you have particular products that you were talking about and say, here's how they work? No, not so much products. Mine was okay. a lot more, a lot more for service based industries. So okay. it is, Plumbers, mostly HVAC. We did some like dentist offices, real estate agents, meeting blogs. Because um, at the time, blog, and I mean, still to this day, but at the time, blogs were a big deal. They were breaking into the mainstream as a another That's sales right. tool. So now, now, okay, how do you wind up in Montreal? This is, you're yeah, doing so, that, wandering around. Yeah, so um, I was freelance writing for a while. So that was 2017. I eventually had enough freelance writing work that I could quit the daycare. Um, and it was sad and I miss it, but I, I think I needed to choose sort of personal freedom as well and and developing my skill set and being able to focus on, on one thing for a while. Um, so in 2019, I found a job in Montreal. We my my boyfriend and I were flying over to see his parents in Wales. Um, and we had a layover in Montreal. And we could hear everyone having conversations in English and French. We're like, I think we need to learn French. It's like, well, we can move to Montreal and learn French. Um, so we did. I My French is still terrible, though, unfortunately. It's, it has not happened. The, the language picking up has not happened the way I intended. But. <laughs> Well, it's hard. You, have to, you have to immerse yourself. Montreal is also English, right? And they yeah, will incredibly they, bilingual. They're very bilingual and they will just acquiesce. They don't they almost don't want to play with you. I've been there a few times. They don't want to play with you while you practice your French in a restaurant. They'll yeah. work with whatever will get the process moving. And exactly. so you'll be going, je, je voudrais une cravate. You want a tie. Okay. Well, it's not going to, you know, and the, mm -hmm. I just find that they don't want to play. I didn't. Do you get that impression too? It's, I, I think the technique that we have is we practice when it's quiet. We practice when, you know, it's a quiet terrace or you're ordering a coffee and no one's in line behind you, you know, looking at yes. their watch ready to yes. go. Yes. Um, and, and, and we've had people before, you know, I, I get so far in a conversation and then they ask me what type of milk that I want. And then I blank. What? Completely. what? Yeah. Ordering coffee. I'm like, I, I, um, regular. <laughs> And then you run out of the you run out of the store. And then I run Ar out of French. arms flailing. And you run out of French. <laughs> I just, just run, run out, out of French. <laughs> and and but people are very you know I've I've ne I have had zero negative experiences oh, of having good. to switch to English. It's good. everyone's super accommodating and they're like we appreciate you trying and I think good, good, that's yeah. the key. Yes, yes, because Montreal has a rep of being a little impatient sometimes. Yeah. I, I think if you're, you know, in the old port sort of area where they're very yes. used to tourists and kind of 
not really having the uh, je veux un croissant. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Don't love it. Uh, right. But that's pretty cool. So you're Montreal now. You're going to school. I'm going to school. Um, what are you in? I'm at Concordia right now. I just finished my first year and I'm taking some summer courses. Concordia um, University. Wow. Yes. How cool is that? What are you taking then? I'm specializing in urban planning. Urban planning? <laughs> yeah. Makes, what does that have to do with your, aren't you a copywriter? You told me you're a copywriter. Yeah, I am. I am so, a copywriter. Um, so what is a copywriter? Tell our audience what a copywriter actually is. So a copywriter, I think the best way to explain it is we are writing words that have the intention of educating, but mostly selling something. Yeah. And, and so and that, people... sorry, you go ahead. No, I was going to say, so, so those pieces can go to anybody, a they newsroom, can... a commercial, mm -hmm. um, a blog, all exactly. kinds of things, right? There's so many different uses. So what um, the types of copy that I specialize in right now are writing websites um, and writing corporate video scripts for, you know, things like commercials or um, in higher education, they'll have lots of tours of departments or things like that that really became prominent during COVID-19. You know, you needed a different way to communicate with with people that wasn't in person. So a lot of post-secondary institutions were looking for sort of virtual tours to get them set up and get students familiarized with, you know, the programs that they're entering and the facilities that are offered post post COVID. And, um, but so it, it's been very so interesting. So videos huge to you. Videos, videos are quite a big deal. Video and websites. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, that's amazing. So when you do urban planning, how does this, how does your copyright, how does what you've done now morph into urban planning and what do you want that to look like? So urban planning, I, I've always had an interest since I went to Germany. Um, I think I had my first experience with wandering around streets and immersing yourself in these different situations and environments and seeing I think what I find very interesting is seeing how people immerse themselves in different places and how they act accordingly in those spaces. You know, you have, for example, um, an open field at a high school. It's just an open field. So people are kind of, you know, you have to go sit in your clusters. You want to sit in the field, just kind of hang out yes, or you play yes. or you make it your own. Whereas, let's say, instead you fill that space with picnic tables and a basketball court and a skate park, then you have it's this much more dynamic place where people can gather yes. and yes. and host different activities. And, um, so, and, I, think and bike, I, so bike paths and all those kinds of things are huge to oh, you. Oh, I have lots of opinions on bike paths. Yeah. Where you, where you put them, how, how they work alongside roads. And yeah. we're going through this in Winnipeg right now. They're mm -hmm. like, they're trying to, they're trying to bikeify the place, but mm -hmm. pretty, pretty old infrastructure. And there's the old people who want their roads there's the young people who want their bikes. And yeah, you know, and I it's, think it's difficult. Interestingly enough, I think this is also where copywriting sort of comes into play is that so much of any sort of change in an environment or in your city or your building or, you know, what have you is communicating, being able to communicate why, why it matters. You know, what stories aren't being heard when we're thinking about roads and how they intersect with bike lanes? You know, why, why aren't we talking about 
you know, the people who have to take the bus all the time that don't have the choice to rely on a vehicle because of costs, cost prohibitions. And there's there's so many different stories that we don't hear, I think, a lot of the time, whether it's marginalized voices or or people that just might not, you know, be able to communicate exactly what they need and want. So your great interest is in finding those stories. I think so. Uncovering them and putting them in a place where people can access them use them and be edified with them yeah is that right yeah and and i think communicate i think uh, so much of it too is bridging the gap between for me between someone who's very reliant on an automobile versus someone who's very reliant on public transit versus bikes and 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 my sort of practice and theory is and and there's lots of literature on the subject but it's a multimodal transportation Right. Yes. Why can't we yes. build a city that you can choose how you want to get around? You like riding your bike? Go for it. You can do it safely. You feel like taking the bus. You don't want to drive your car's dirty. I don't know whatever the case is. Take the bus. There's good service. It comes every 10 minutes. You know, I think it's just building cities that allow for this choice of infrastructure. How exciting for you. This sounds like you're just coming into your own. Do you feel I, that I, way? Yeah, it's taken 10 years, but um, I, I do think that well how important has as a journey of 10 years been is, is it been instrumental in you being there here oh, right now yeah i i would not be pursuing urban planning if it were not for all of the other experiences yeah, right and we and call I, them you know you know we call them in this in this podcast we call them dots we talk about connecting dots you're doing that but first you have to collect them yeah. right and that's the expression we use in this podcast all the time. You're collecting enough dots now so you can look back and say, okay, this is where I seem to have a fit. This is yeah. what, what feels right to me. Mm-hmm. So it, it's feeling right right now? I'm feeling very right. Yeah, I've, right I've been very lucky um, to have all these experiences. And I think I think that's it is, you know, a career, what you do or what you're passionate about isn't, it isn't a singularity. You know, it's it's a collection of all of these different experiences that you have as an individual, personally and professionally. And and along the way, it's supplementing those experiences with different tools and softwares and all of these little details. But I, I think the key is is just really being curious about the things around you and and pursuing that that curiosity more than, you know, when I wanted to be a nurse, okay, I have to get bio done. I have to get Ken done. And I'm going to push myself through this and maybe I'll be miserable because I, I'm not a psych, uh, natural student of science and, or math. Well, that's amazing. That now. So I, I, I love what you're doing. I love the path and, and the journey is all important to you. I feel that if you were to give a cheap piece of advice to a grade 12 kid right now, based on what you've learned and what you've done, because it's always sober second thought yeah. that that brings the wisdom and the insight. What cheap piece of, I don't mean cheap, I mean that in the best way, if it's possible. Uh, yeah. What piece of wisdom would you give to a grade 12 kid who, or a grade 11 kid who's thinking, geez, what should I do after high school? I mean, I think personally, it's trusting yourself, trusting your gut your gut instinct, you know, if something doesn't feel right or it's not quite meshing with you, um, give it a try. But if you feel like, you know, you, um, Akira, you were saying that you love 
graphic design and this is what you're doing. And it's, I, it sounds like you're just following what that, what your gut is telling you. Um, I think you, you have to trust that and not suppress it so much. Um, and that might yeah. not be, you know, key career advice, but I think it is incredibly important to be able to listen to yourself and intuit those feelings that you have for whatever experience you're having. I, I, I think that's pretty astute. I, I, Zoe and Akira, like Zoe's following this interest in drama in the theater yeah. and the arts. And, and I love that. And Akira is pursuing this graphic arts. In fact, when they choose this program, Carlene, mm -hmm. they're, they are stepping off the beaten path yeah, of, of, of the educational path, right? So it's it's a little unnerving for them. Think about yourself being an 11 and 12 saying, I'm going to go to ATC. Friends, we'll see you in a semester. Think about yeah. doing that. Yeah, and especially at such a young age. It's, and I also commend you both for your ability to, you know, listen to yourself and, and be interested in the things that you're interested in, not just, you know, what it may be coming from your, your mom or your dad or anyone else around you. I think, you know, Zoe, you're like, I love theater and maybe I want to act or maybe I want to do this other thing, but I know that's where I, I'm being pulled. And yes. it's very, it's very inspiring to hear people just follow that i think that's it's a really cool thing thank you that's interesting yeah oh way to go that's nice carlene i can hear you and your your level of articulation and your ability to express who you are and what's important oh my gosh you're uh <laughs> you you have come so far but i always saw that in you when you were a student that's why i said to you there's more in your text here when you were writing for me all the time i thought oh my gosh there's something going on in your brain here that is beyond just you choosing something right now. I always sure. thought that about you. So I'm glad you're on this path. I'm glad you're happy. I, I'm glad you see nothing but blue skies ahead because uh, I think something, it, it already has happened, but something really cool is going to happen to you down the road because I think Thank you're talented. You. It's pretty Thank cool. Thank you very much. Yeah. And you were super formational in that or foundational, I guess is the right term. Um, but I do really appreciate the experience that it gave me, uh, the outlook it gave me and and I, I do really think that little nugget, I remember having a conversation with you in grade 12. And I was like, you're a really good writer, Carlene. You know, you can do this. And at the time, I'm like, no, no, no. I wouldn't. How am I going to write stuff? When is that ever going to happen in my life? Oh, yeah. But you um, know what? I, I have this attitude. And well, I, just before I get to that, Akira, anything you want to say or ask Carlene quickly? Yeah, no, I just wanted to thank you for the advice. Like, um, I totally agree with it. I've always wanted to do something that I'm passionate about and I'm really into doing graphics. And that's like Mr. Magnifico was saying, that's kind of why I went off the beating path. Although this is in a graphic design program, I think it'll benefit me. And it, it was a hard decision to make because yeah, I'm a great swell. Part of it was, no, I'm just thinking it's that tap on the shoulder, right? It's where I've always found that in my life, people have tapped me on the shoulder and said, why don't you do this? Because you don't notice when you're in your own world doing your gig, moving along with your friends, doing your courses, which are just one after the other. You hear a buzzer, go to the next room. You hear a buzzer, go to the next room. Yeah. You're not stopping to reflect or think. And I think you need people. So when I tapped you on the shoulder and said, I think you ought to do this, those are important. And I've only ever done that to students because people have done that to me. I had the message and the mentorship from others who did that to me. Otherwise, I wouldn't even be sitting having this conversation with you. So I think that's a powerful message. And you've been a great guest, Carlene. We got to end this because we're going long, and the producers are going to say, "End this, end this." Uh, but it's it's been a great conversation. You've been so insightful, and your journey 
is oh gosh it's 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 just so powerful it just fills me full of pride and makes me think that you're going to make an an enormous contribution somewhere down the round somewhere down the line to the organizations with whom you work i think you might even start your own copyright space you're already doing that but i i I think you if you ever thought i might be my own i'm going to start my own piece and build my own team i it's something i'm interested in you know i've been running sort of a a small business for the last four yes. years. And, and I think I really appreciate that independence and that ability to, um, yeah, just sort of forge my own path and share my own opinion. That's not necessarily tied to that of an organization or, um, something I've thought about, but I, you never know, never know. I know. Good luck. Good luck. Thanks for doing this. And everyone that's, uh, that's it for our episode of adventures in career land. We will see you next time. Carly. Thanks. Thanks Thank so much. you. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, Zoe. Thanks, Akira. We'll see you next time on Adventures in Careerland. <laughs>